Hey guys, welcome to Cars and Health Bars. On today's episode, we have with us Matt Rogers, owner tuner of MCR Tuning. How are you doing, Matt? Pretty good. How are you, Josh? Doing pretty good. How about you? Uh, it's been a hot day. We've been busy over here, per usual. So, yeah. just uh, ready for the afternoon. Yeah. Well, I guess we could uh, just get straight into it uh, with you know what you said about it being you know hot and busy. Is there usually like a time of year that you guys are most busy? Because I know a lot of times, well, especially, you know, I just visited John Craighead, got my transmission done. He says, of course, you know, drag season is whenever he sees heat of uh, his business because, of course, guys are breaking stuff on the track. But also, you know, the winter months are pretty hectic, too, because guys are holding off until uh, season's over with. Yeah, so with us being kind of diversified where, you know, we're not just doing drag cars and we're not just doing street cars and we're not just doing road rate cars, we're kind of doing all of them. Um, it's really just touch and go. Um, but since COVID, um, you know, prior to COVID, it was like summer, you're busy, 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 busy. Then, you know, winter comes along and you're still pretty busy, but you've got enough time to do like longer projects. Um, that dynamic has changed a lot since, you know, 2019, 2020. Um, it's, it's definitely like, you know, you'll have four or five months of being super busy and then like two months of, oh boy, we need to find some more work. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just piles on again. So it's, it's definitely a different environment than, than what I noticed in the past being in the industry as long as I have. Um, so yeah, and there's not really a slow time. It's just, you get little periods of slow time but I mean winter is usually when we try to do anything that's you know a huge job we try to get that done in the winter uh, doesn't always work out that way especially with the supply chain issues that we're still dealing with today but um, winter time you know that's a that's a nice easy going time in my opinion summer kind of gets hectic around here yeah so uh, I, I, I do see that you have a lot of cars that you know like you said do kind of sit around would you say you're uh, what you look for is the quick turnover uh, work, you know, the tune, the, the, the cam head tune, full bolt-on builds, or the builds that are like, here's my money, make my car fast. Um, that's kind of a, you know, that's a hard question to answer, but really the way it is for me is, yes, you know, obviously from a business standpoint, I want to have jobs coming here that we can finish pretty quickly, you know, get cash flow coming in the door, especially with tuning. You know, I really like doing a lot of tunes. It's really great cash flow. Um, but at the same time, you know, I get bored too, and I think everybody that works here gets bored doing like, you know, not not to say that this is bad or anything, but just like the, the cookie cutter heads cam, uh, you know, that gets really old. So sometimes, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, uh, for me, this is still really like a, a passionate, artistic type thing. Um, you know, if I'm bored and, and I want to do something crazy, then I'll take on a crazy job. But uh, it really just depends on, on how the money situation is here. Like, you know, if we need to do some quick turnaround type stuff and that's what I'll focus on booking but uh, you know we got a really great fabricator um, you know just a generally good technician here uh, named Taylor and, and he's really good with stuff like that so anytime that we get a chance to do something really crazy or artistic I always think like you know would Taylor enjoy doing this and you know Jordan's picking up on some of that stuff too so uh, we definitely like doing the bigger more like different type jobs like right in front of me right now I know nobody can see it there's a LS3 swapped H1 Hummer um, I'm really excited about this job and how it's going to turn out so I, I like doing crazier stuff like that instead of just doing the you know, but for, from a business standpoint obviously you know if you want to get into this business and you're going to start a shop if, if you really are just worried about the money aspect of things then yeah tuning cam installs exhaust installs quick and easy stuff that's where you're going to make your money at um, but if money isn't the number one thing may not make as big a name just doing that either if yeah you think about it. exactly I think like one of the, the biggest things that we've gotten notoriety off of and you may touch on this later I'm sure you will uh, is that uh, twin turbo Ferrari that we did back yeah. in 2018? So, 
um, stuff like that gets you know get your name out there and, and kind of gets you some cred, but um, doesn't necessarily pay the bills either. So yeah, with you, I, I came into you uh, by you know a mutual friend of ours at the time was always like, man, this is the like best guy with LSs around. That doesn't get any better than that. And it's kind of cool to see you kind of start to dip your toes in the water of uh, Mopar and Ford, you know, starting to do that, that tuning and installs. It's, it's uh, like you said, it's nice to try different things. And it, it's nice to see that you are not just focusing on GM products. You're also going into the Mopar and uh, Ford uh, market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I get excited about that too. Like all day today, I've been tuning a, a Dodge truck and it's, it's challenging. Um, you know, it's not the same. It, it's, it's challenging because it is on a Dodge, you know, control strategy. They have the neural network and everything like that. Um, so that's that's fun and challenging, uh, and you do get a little monotonous, like I said, tuning the same Chevy setup, you know, yeah. uh, BTR truck Norris, truck cam, <laughs> and, you know, headers, which, once again, not knocking anybody that does that. It's a great setup. Uh, but just for us here personally, you know, that, that kind of does get bored. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about getting into the Ford and Mopar stuff. Um, I think... Uh, the Ford stuff, you know, we probably won't ever break into that as much as I would like to just because we have built such a big name on Chevy. But there's really, like, the Mopar guys don't have really anyone in this area. There's I know of, like, two or three pretty decent Mopar shops. There's one up north called OST Dino. They're really good, and that's all they do. But, like, in this general area, Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, you know, the little area that we service, um, there's really not a whole lot of, of Mopar stuff going on. So I do get a lot, you know, a lot of inquiry about that. Um, and I'm enjoying doing it. So they, they make good power. They're, they're nowhere near the Pissari Dodge guys. They're nowhere near the potential of... Uh, Gen 5. Yeah, like Gen 5 or Gen 4 LS and Gen 5 LT or even the Coyote. Um, but, you know, you put a blower on anything, it's going to make power. So the, the Hellcat stuff is obviously pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to touch on the uh, the LS side of things uh, just, just as a basic kind of talking point. Uh, how... How long have you been tuning on LSs? Because I know I met you in like 2017, you know, and, and I was told by by uh, my friend that you had been doing it far before then. No, no, not at all, actually. Um, oh, wow. So my career started um, in imports, uh, mostly dealt with like Honda tuning, Toyota mm -hmm. tuning, Nissan tuning, a lot of standalone stuff like Haltech. Um, there's a ton of standalones on the market. People use Hondata. Yeah. ECU link, all that stuff. So that's kind of what I cut my teeth on. Um, and that was really just how it happened because when I got into cars, um, when I was like 15, you know, I lived in a small town. You know, we're all from the, the same small town. You guys know how it is. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot going on with anything. Um, but, you know, when I got into cars, I came out of the Fast and Furious era, you know, watched Fast and Furious 1, Fast and Furious 2, and then I think Tokyo Drift, like, came out on, like, my 15th, 14th or 15th birthday or something <laughs> like that. And so, you know, to me, like, fast cars, just from what I had been exposed to, my parents aren't into cars or anything, so what I had been exposed to was the import scene, so that's what I got into. Um, you know, worked in that for a while, and then came back to Kentucky um, and wanted to start tuning. And actually, when I, when I opened MCR Tuning, we had, like, pretty low, in, like, we didn't really expect to be building a lot of cars. Like, I really just wanted to tune and maybe have, like, one technician and maybe build a car here and there. Um, and, I, and I didn't set out to just tune LS cars. It just kind of happened that way. Um, I'd had a little bit of experience in tuning LS cars, and then just the hordes of people started coming in wanting me to tune LS cars, and I just rapidly learned, um, you know, how to tune LS cars. I still learn every day. Um, every time I hook up to a car, I learn something new uh, tuning-wise. You know, I, I, anybody that doesn't, any tuner that, that says that they don't learn something new, um, I feel bad for them. So. 
you're in a pretty unique spot being right here, you know, conveniently 20, 20, 30 minutes from NCM. You know, you're, you're hitting all these vet guys. For sure. Um, and we had a lot of luck in that field. Um, my, one of my really good friends was the general manager at the National Corvette Museum Motorsports Park, NCM Motorsports Park. Um, and so, you know, obviously he was around a lot of road race Corvettes. And we had been building our name about three years before I became friends with him. We had been building our name in the LS market. Um, and been doing really good organically, you know, just on our own that way. But kind of when me and him became friends and he started really pushing my name, um, that's that's when it really, you know, stepped up and, and we kind of became the, the Corvette shop that we're known for today. Yeah. So. I guess with that being said, uh, have you guys dabbled in any uh, C8s yet? Uh, has anybody broken into them yet? What's the update on them? Yeah, so, no, we haven't done a whole lot of C8 stuff here at all yet. Um you know, I, I expect within the next couple of years, once warranties start wearing out and, you know, the prices on the cars even out right now, they're, they're, they're crazy. It's not really obtainable for, you know, our average customer, you know, yeah. our demographic. We've got a few guys that could afford them and, and then afford to also modify them, <laughs> uh, but not a whole lot. It's just really not like we don't have that demographic. So we haven't done a whole lot of C8 stuff, but I, I expect to see it coming. Um, as far as like tunability, prior to like two weeks ago, um, you know, your only option was to kind of rig in there, you know, you'd, you'd piggyback like one module in that does, you know, the math curve and then a couple other things like meth injection to take care of fueling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still couldn't do anything with the transmission, which caused a lot of issues. Um, you know, most of the time it's going to have some kind of error on the dash, may not shift automatically, may only paddle shift. Um, and a lot of guys that are they're spending that kind of money on that car that didn't buy it just to make a race car out of it, they don't want to deal with that. Um, but anyway, so HP Tuners recently uh, released their Global B unlock, um, and you just, uh, it's kind of like with the, the GM TCMs, the newer GM TCMs, and the newer Dodge PCMs and stuff, you know, you got to send them in to HP Tuners or someone who provides that service for HP Tuners. Um, they do a, a hardware unlock, it's a physical procedure, mm-hmm. send it back to you. So that's, I think, like 1600 bucks. Oh. Um, and then you've got your credits, which I believe it's going to take 10 credits, so... 50 bucks a credit <laughs> um and then that's on top of uh whatever it is the the tuner charges you i don't have a price for that yet i have an idea of what i will charge um but until i do a few of them i'm not going to have like a solid price on it but it's going to be up there uh just because of the risk that you're taking on with with that kind of transmission and whatnot yeah it, that, that's something that i'm sure not a lot of people consider whenever they're looking into purchasing dyno tuning is that you the tuner have to purchase these credits you're not you're not just able to plug into the PCM and have everything right in front of you, you know. Yeah, I've noticed in the past, like, two or three years, that's becoming more common knowledge. You know, prior to, you know, a couple of years ago, most people would, you know, if, if somebody did have an issue with the price of tuning, you know, I explained to them, hey, listen, it's, it's costing me, you know, $100, $200, $400 just to get in to be able to modify your tune-up. Um, and then from there, that that's my time, you know, my fee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for sure, a lot of people don't realize that, but it is becoming more common knowledge. Like, you know, I'll, I'll tell customers, well, they'll be like, I'll be like, hey, it's it's this much, and here's why it's this much. Oh, yeah, I knew about the credits or you know, stuff like that. So it, it's becoming a thing. But, yeah, a lot of people still don't know that, that uh, a lot of our tuning fee there is immediately just like right off the top is credits just for us to be able to get into your computer. So Yeah. I would say a lot of people don't consider uh, their car's condition before taking it to the tuner either oh, uh, yeah, yeah leaks fuel leaks like coolant leaks high miles even uh, uh, transmission yeah. issues maybe you know like you might know about you know yeah that's a 
That's a huge. That could be a whole episode. That could be a whole episode of of what not to do um, to your tuner, to your tuner, <laughs> to your car before you take it to the to the tuner. Um, you know, like the joke in the industry amongst tuners is like it just needs a tune in yeah. quotations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just like what I tell my customers here along that lines is, you know, as long as it's not pouring some sort of fluid onto my floor, you know, a little drip here and there is okay. <laughs> I really don't like it if it's coolant. You know, that's definitely not good. If it's oil all right depending on where it's at maybe just a little drip but we've had people bring stuff in here like with literally no water in it and oh we go to God. we go to put water in it and it starts pouring out on the floor and i've had guys bring vehicles here with no driver's seat in them and they put a bucket there and they're like can <laughs> you know can you tune it i i've seen it all dude. You, like jordan quick. said you could literally make an entire episode out of just the the absolute you know lack of care uh is what i like to say just audacity whatever you want to call it just that we can make an episode about about what people do, you know, what people consider tunable vehicles. Yeah. Throw a supercharger on, no fuel system. Yeah, yeah, or just yeah, stuff like that. Like, well, can you make that work? I, I've even had somebody drop a vehicle off. This was pretty recent. I had somebody drop a vehicle off uh, for a tune, and I go out to you know they drop it off out front off of a trailer, and I'm just assuming it's a you know at least can run. You know, I'm gonna be able to get it and make it run and get it up in here in the shop so we can check it out. Get in it, crank, 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 crank. You know, I can't hear the fuel pumps. Obviously not starting. Has no fuel pressure. So I call a guy up. Hey man, does this thing have a, a kill switch on it somewhere? You know, like a fuel pump kill switch for security. Like I just I can't get to start. And you know, guy was dead serious. He was like, Well, no, the fuel pump doesn't work. I just figured you could tune it. God. I mean, and the guy seemed you know otherwise a pretty intelligent dude. Um, just a pretty big disconnect between you know the customer and and. And us, and it is our job to try to educate people uh, on what's going on. You know, that's part of our job. But at the same time, it, it would be cool if you know you could do a little bit of your own research before bringing your car into a dyno shop. So. Yeah. Uh, change, to change gears a little bit, uh, I wanted to ask, of course, the question that uh, everybody wants to know: What power numbers uh, have? What's the record power number that your dyno has seen? Or even if it's not the same, then what's the highest uh, you've ever got out of a car? Um, so the highest that, that I've ever seen on this dyno, I think, is like 1,050. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't do a whole lot of, like, crazy drag racing builds. You know, we're, we're, none of our customers are, are really out there. We've had a couple customers that, like, we did a drag truck a couple years ago and made some pretty insane power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like I said, we're mostly just doing, like, street cars. And if we do do a drag car, then it's, it's not, you know, like your crazy 1,300-horsepower type setups. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say that we do, like, low-power cars, but... It's just, I don't know, 1,050, that to yeah. answer the question. Um, the most I've ever seen personally, like, in real life in front of me, not in an Instagram video or anything like that, I've seen a couple 1,200-wheel horsepower Supras, you know, <laughs> in person on the dyno. Uh, I see a lot of crazy stuff now, like the Viper guys, you know, claiming, like, 3,500, 4,000-wheel yeah. horsepower. Uh, I don't know about all that. I'm sure <laughs> that they make a lot of power, but... I don't they, know. they ain't got that much more displacement than you know a stroked LS or something really. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors there too, but I just I don't know. That all seems. A, I feel like the, the the number thing is a a big result of like social media. It's like a dick yeah. measuring contest. I think okay. it was like when I first started getting into this, the number everybody wanted was 900 to a thousand, and then the next year is like a thousand to twelve hundred, and then now you know anytime I talk to somebody that's wanting. Yeah, they all want like 1,500 to 2,000 horsepower, and they want to be able to take it to the date night, and they want to be able to take it on vacation, and they want to drive it to work. And it's like, you can do that, but um, there's a whole lot that goes into that. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I completely agree. I think the media has brainwashed people into thinking that if you're not making, like, upwards to a 1,000 horsepower, you ain't got nothing worth racing. And it kind of sucks because, you know, like, getting a 1,000 horsepower, I mean, that gets, that's getting a little wallet there. Yeah, for, for me, like, as far as an, an enjoyable, like, I'm really big into being able to enjoy a car, you know, just out in, in a regular scenario. you got to be careful what you say nowadays. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the EPA and everything. But, yeah. um my cap is like 700 wheel. That's a nice car that you can go out, you can get on a back road. You still got to be really careful. You still got to respect it. Um, but you can still have a ton of fun and it, it's not too much. Like really 600 to 700. I, I kind of wavering more to like the 600 range. It's, it's just a fun car. And obviously if you're out there to beat everybody 60 to 160 or quarter mile, whatever it may be, then, you know, probably going to need more than that to, to hang with the big dogs or whatever. But that's never really been my thing, man. Yeah, I agree. And, after kind of like, you know, being under that brainwash spell of a thousand is all you, you know, a thousand or nothing, it's like, man, I, I can't imagine enjoying controlling a car at a thousand horsepower on the street. It's not going to be enjoyable. No, I, I have guys, too, that come in and they're, they're talking like they want that kind of number. And then I'll be like, well, go down this road with me in this car real quick. And, you know, it's a 650, 750 wheel horsepower car. You floor it and they're over there, you know, grabbing <laughs> all over this stuff. Like, oh, God, you know. Yeah. So people don't really realize, man. I mean, a thousand wheel horsepower is is dramatic. It's yeah. That's like you know pushing the blood out of your legs up into your chest type G forces and stuff, man. People people really do yeah, not understand. Yeah, rode at a thousand horsepower. You should before you kind of argue. Yeah. That you might want that. But yeah, the Instagram thing's crazy. It's like you know you can post whatever you want on there, and and people are. It it also does the has the effect of like. People think that a thousand horsepower, twelve hundred horsepower car is like this turnkey type deal. You just bolt it on oh, and go. Yeah. A lot goes into it, man. A lot goes into it, and it's not just a snap your fingers have I'd say a thousand. A lot horse. goes into seven hundred horsepower. Yeah. You know? A lot goes in. He's he's not wrong. A lot goes into seven too. A lot goes a lot goes into anything. You know, if you're even if you're just doing head scan, that's a lot of work too. Um, especially if you do it right, torque everything, clean everything. But yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think uh, people quite realize what what a thousand plus wheel horsepower really is all about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they just like I said, they see these TikToks and Instagram and YouTube videos, and they're like, man, that just like that's what I want. That's what I gotta have, you know. Hey guys, daily driving my two thousand horsepower Supra <laughs> yeah. for the next two months. Yeah, I mean, if the as <laughs> if the asphalt isn't like over seventy degrees and you know there's zero moisture on the ground, like you you know you can't even get down in those in that in a thousand horsepower car unless the conditions are pretty decent otherwise you're gonna end up in a ditch or a tree or whatever it may be so yeah you see these uh especially like I, I cling to race week a lot because it's just like it just looks like such a fun time but you see these guys that are making insane power numbers they spend like an hour at the track switching back over to street mode like these guys aren't street driving they're race cars like yeah it's not feasible like yeah it, it's it's really not i mean there's a degree to that that's a big conversation we could do a whole episode over that too um but that that's a big conversation um, of what it takes. Like, you know, one of our customers has got we built a thousand wheel horsepower turbo Camaro for him. He drives it like twice a twice a year. You know what I mean? And uh, you know he's pretty well aware of, of that. He's like, you know, I don't really get down on it a whole lot. He's like, it's not like anything against us or that. He he just knows. Like, it's got a ton of power. He wants to enjoy it without having it in the shop because every time it has to come back to the shop, it's here for a minute. Especially with like the way parts and stuff are now. So he really just kind of, you know, when the conditions are right, he gets out and gets down on it, but he's not, like, beating the snot out of it constantly. If that's what you want, if you want a car that you can beat on constantly, then 1,000 horsepower plus is, is not the 
the realm that, that you need to be in. You need to go lower. Parts uh, are under too much stress. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. The, the maintenance, the care you need to do to an engine like that. I yeah. mean, like, even if you're, even if you do have a 1200 horsepower motor, if you're driving it regularly, I mean, I'd say it's a good idea to tear it apart every year, make sure everything's okay. You know, stuff sees heat, stuff gets warped, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially if it's a, you know, race, race situation, you definitely yeah. want to be taking it apart and checking it as much as you can. Um, you know, like I saw a video, I think like last year, uh, Jay Meager from Real Street, they do a lot of Supras. Yeah. Um, he was going over their schedule for like their, this car, it's a car he drives a lot and then he races it a little bit, mm -hmm. but like he has an entire schedule based on like, you know, what the conditions were during race day, et cetera, et cetera, as to when he like pulls the engine out and checks things out. And he's just literally taking it apart to check things out. He's not even like replacing stuff. Yeah. So, but that's, that's the stuff I'm talking about. That's the whole lot of stuff that goes into having those types of cars is like, you can't just like, oh, well, I put it up for the winter and I'm going to go start it up at the beginning of the summer and drive it around. Like you're probably going to need to take that thing into somebody if you're not capable of doing it yourself um, and have it, you know, gone over for, for this next season. Even if it just sat in the garage all winter and you didn't drive it, like that's, yeah. there's, there's a lot to it, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. It, it seems like too, like, uh, I'm just going back to Craighead. Like even even for him, uh, whenever he tore apart my trans, he took it to a shop, did a complete like tear down. Like he washed everything, pressure washed everything. The outside, he didn't even have to outwash the outside of the case, but he did because he you know cares about his work. Yeah. And that's something I can attest to being a customer for you know uh, however many years. Like every time that I get a build back from you guys or see one on your on your Facebook or whatever, it's like always really well. Like everything looks clean. Everything looks like it's gone through well. And uh, that's just something that I could appreciate from your shop is that you guys really take the time to not not cut a corner. Everything, all your T's are crossed and all your I's are dotted whenever I see a build done by you guys. I appreciate that, man. Um, I mean, obviously, we're humans, so we, we do make mistakes, too. But I feel like a lot of, of the reason that that goes on here, because, like, if you take a look around our shop, we're not, like, super organized and yeah. clean or anything. Um, but the culture here is, is really, like, you know, the most important thing um, is that it's done correctly. Um, and, and that we don't have to, to deal with the headache of it not being done correctly. That, that really is the most important thing is that it gets done right. Obviously, people get in a rush. We get in a rush. And, you know, one of my, my guys that works here, he always says, man, haste makes waste. Haste makes waste. So um, that is very true. You definitely you can get – and we get in that position. We're not perfect, dude. Like yeah. we've, we've definitely been in a position where we need to get a car out the door, you know, for whatever the customer needs it back or which has been here too long, whatever it may be. And, you know, a corner may get cut or something. That does happen, but we strive extremely, extremely hard to make sure that that doesn't happen, um, that we do do it right the first time. And, you know, everything's clean, everything's well taken care of, everything's put back the way it was, the wiring harness is back the way General Motors had it in the car. Mm -hmm. And if it's not uh, an OE-type situation, then it needs to look OE. Yeah. So. I, I do like to uh, – well, I just remember, Mac, to, before me and you were like, uh, you know, close before i mean before jordan got here uh back before i knew you real well i was like man matt's got all these shiny cars on his on his uh thing i even told my wife i think it was snowing whenever i had my cam put in yeah. i was like I, i've got to clean my car up i said i've got to go on that mcr facebook page yeah yeah for sure um and we, we you know i can take a picture and, and make a dirty car look clean so we still we still do that but yeah i mean that's the thing is you want it to get returned to the customer in, in better shape than it was when it came here. Um, I like yeah. to clean cars before they leave. I yeah. just enjoy cleaning them, yeah, honestly. Yeah, we, 99% of vehicles, unless the customer specifies otherwise or, like, it's obviously, you know, like a race car with parts <laughs> yeah. or something, you know, 
uh, it gets washed. So we, we try to we try to do that. You know, I've heard people like you know guys in Glasgow and stuff that are in the car scene. Like I think there's this one kid. Um, he's asked me for like a million quotes, and I've sent it to him. You know, and he like never responds. He, he wants to hit me up for and ask you know ask how much my stuff is, but then whenever it's too much, he wants to talk trash. I think he said like we weren't meticulous or something yeah. like that. Um, and that that bothered me a lot because you know we we do there's a car back here wrapped in plastic you know we wrap up fenders we, we're, we're definitely meticulous um, we see a ton of cars come from other shops that you know, maybe the customer isn't even aware of it they just decided they didn't want to go back to that shop for whatever reason and now they're here and like do we see the craziest stuff yeah we see cars with melted wiring harnesses we see parts barely bolted on you know like we're meticulous here man we, we really try to be and everybody's human and everybody makes a mistake here and here and there but I want to come back to that. Yeah, that's crazy. So, but before we go to the break, uh, I want to ask you two things. Uh, they're they're nowhere near each other, so we're just gonna have to do a weird transition here. That's cool. Uh, before we switch off the business into things, I want to know: uh, Do you have any like nightmarish stories that you want to tell in all your years <laughs> of business? You know, like what is like just like the worst situation? Whether a car blew up, a customer is like just I terrible with you. It's like if you you don't have to share if you don't want to. But I think of one nightmare that Matt had. You don't have to disclose anything. I think everyone in here thought, except for me at the is time. The pretty recent one is that what you're talking about? During your wedding. Oh God, yeah, no, like I tried to black that situation out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, this is a hard business to be in, and and there, like I said, there's a big disconnect between you know us and and the customer as far as like knowledge and stuff goes. I've had a lot of weird situations. I've had guys over rev engines. You know, out there on the road course, going from like fifth gear to second gear at 120 <laughs> mile an hour or whatever, uh, and you know that's pretty obvious. Like we can tear that apart and, and find that pretty quickly. Um, so that's always an awkward situation. But yeah, what he's referring to is probably the worst. Probably the worst situation I've ever dealt with. Um, it was. I'm not gonna get too much into I it, man. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was like right before my wedding. Um, we had been doing like literally everything we can for this customer. Um, I was here at 1:30 in the morning. You know. Two nights before my wedding, I was literally here the night before my wedding. Taylor, um, you know, the fabricator and our, our lead technician, he uh, he stayed here so many countless mornings, dude, and, and put up with that guy, uh, you know, with him actually here, because like he's like, I'm coming up there, I'll be there at three in the morning. Um, that was just that was a really that was yeah that was that was a tough situation, and that that customer, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm not gonna get too much yeah, into that, but yeah. that Jordan's right, that's definitely the hands down out of the. Even out of like the 12 years that I've been working professionally in the automotive industry, I think that's probably the worst situation I've ever dealt with. Yeah. Okay, well, to change gears into more of a hopefully a, a happier memory, uh, I want to know, of course, you grew up, like you said, in the Fast and Furious import scene. I want to know what that car scene was like back then. Being around the imports, you know, like that had to have been the time to be alive, man. Yeah, dude, it was pretty cool. Um, I was thinking, I was hoping you would touch on that because I was thinking about this the other night. It, it was definitely a different time, um, you know, and it, it wasn't like you didn't have like this whole crazy like thousand horsepower thing going on where you know everybody had to be. And people actually race too. Like I've noticed now, I haven't gone to a car meet in forever. You know what yeah. I mean? I kind of kind of hang out in the shadows. Jordan goes to a lot of them, uh, but I go to a couple major events a year. But thing i've noticed here lately is like people really like to talk mm -hmm. smack but they don't actually want to race like back in in my day like i would go out in a 200 wheel horsepower honda gut it out 
you know, and like roll up on some dude in a big block Malibu or whatever and be like, let's run, dude. And like, you know, even if I got smoked, it was still great. You know, yeah. like, man, that guy only, that, that 500, 600 horsepower Malibu only beat me by five cars, dude. <laughs> he only got me by a bus length, you know. Like, it was pretty cool. Now people are like scared that that video is going to get posted yeah. on, on Instagram oh, and their car yeah, getting gapped. How it is now. Um, yeah, no, it was different. Like, locally in Glasgow and the Bowling Green area, Bowling Green had a little bit bigger scene. Obviously, it's a bigger city. Um, just you know, like that tuner car kind of scene. Yeah, there was like, definitely a tuner car scene. Like I had a little gang growing up, you know, really? like of dudes um, that all had like you know eclipses or Integras, you know, whatever it was, uh, just little four cylinder cars or four cylinder turbo cars, and you know, just super cool vibe, man. Everybody was really chill about it. It, it was a cool time. Um, and then nationally, like that scene was was massive, dude. Oh, yeah. And the shows were parties. Like I remember going to Nopi Nationals when I was like 16, 17 years old. And just being absolutely blown away, like being a kid from Glasgow, you know, you go out and you see a few cars at, at AutoZone or whatever, you're like, yeah, it's cool, it's a big deal. And then we go to Nopi Nationals, and I don't even know how many people were there, that, you know, at that age and at that time, it seemed like 100,000 people there. But yeah. it was just, you know, all the cars and everybody was just really cool. There was no, like, you know, beef or anything like that. It, it was a different time um, compared to, to what you got going on now, which I'm not saying what goes on now is bad at all. Um, there's still some really cool stuff going on in, in the modern car scene, but it was definitely different. Yeah. So. You don't see very – and the guys that still have those tuner cars from back in the day, like, oh, my God, they have a jewel. Like, they want yep. like some – like, you see, like, a Mark IV Supra, they're, like, unaffordable. Yeah. I mean, like, same thing with the R34s. Like, everything that you grew up around, like mm-hmm. – God, it's so rare now. Like, everybody holds R7. on to them. Yeah. R7, yeah. yeah. Well, we were just talking the other day. Like, when I was 18, I looked at a uh, twin-turbo – you know, factory twin turbo RX-7 and really wanted it and just didn't come together. But I think at the time it was like 13.5 oh my God. for that car. And it, would, it had under 100,000 miles on it. And that was like the going price, you know, yeah. like 13 to 16, like 13 if it had the, the rotary issues and 16 if it didn't have the rotary issues yet. So, yeah. I'd be kicking myself if that was me. <laughs> yeah, for sure now because, like, I don't know. I don't even know how much they are now. Like, what, like 40? 40 grand yeah. for a nice one? That's a good chunk of change. Well, that's because the guys that, you know, guys my age that, that were super into that stuff, you know, they're, they're of, we're of the age now where, you know, whatever, you can make a little extra money or whatever it is and, and go buy one. Um, and so the prices have shot. I mean, inflation, of course, too. You guys, we're all living in the same world. Inflation's yeah. pretty crazy, so. And the people that have those cars probably don't want to let go of them either, you know? Yeah, no, anybody that's got a nice one, like, they're not coming off of it for, yeah. for anything other than, than what it's absolutely worth or oh, what yeah. they think it's worth. So You never see them get knocked down, especially JDM cars. Yeah, uh, like even Integra Type Rs. Which that was, yeah, man. Integra Type Rs were like, really close to my heart. I loved those cars. I, I never was able to buy, like, a real Type R as a kid. Um but uh, just because they, they've always been kind of more expensive. And if they weren't more expensive, they're hard to find. I think now they're – I think those are in the 30 or 40 range now. Yeah, yeah. they are. I've looked. <laughs> so that's, that's crazy to me because that's just like a, a Civic. Yeah. Know, so. <laughs> Pretty uh, much. Before we throw it to the break, uh, I want, Matt, uh, any, any kind of like availability you have as far as tuning, if you want to plug anything before we get into the uh, other half of the episode, you know, an email that they can shoot you at for dyno tuning, any of that good stuff. Yeah, so the best way to <clears throat> to get a hold of me for absolutely anything, period, is, is to email us at matt at mcrtuning.com. Um, you know, I know it's nice to have a phone conversation. Uh, you shoot me an email, shoot me a phone number, and, and we'll go over stuff. But to initially, like, make contact, the easiest, best way to get on our schedule is to email me. Um, I've got a lot going on other than just this shop. You know, I have a couple other ventures I'm involved in. I'm here every day, five days a week, but... I still got a lot going on, and it's 
you know, whenever you're doing this many cars with the with the force, the the workforce that we have, which currently is me and two other dudes, um, it gets a little crazy. So you know, we may not answer the phone every single time. So yeah, Matt at MCRTuning.com, best way to get a hold of me. Sweet. All right, we'll throw it to a quick break, and we will be back with Matt for some questions about our local car scene. We're back. All right, guys. Uh, so as promised, uh, Matt, I want to know your opinion about our local Glasgow car scene, which you've touched on a couple times in the episode. But uh, it seems like, I mean, I'm just going to say, it seems like a lot of local guys our age, they just like, don't, don't want it, yeah. Don't they gravitate towards this area. They don't want anything to do with you, even though you're like 20 minutes away and yeah. have friends that that are associated directly with you. Like we could probably like talk you into you know helping them out some, but yet they they don't want anything to do. What have you done to these people, man? So I have no idea. Um, there's a couple of dudes that I that I know you're like directly referring to that I don't think I've ever even met in person. Um, I may have had like a Facebook conversation with them, and one in particular I know messaged me like. 10 different times for quotes on like two different vehicles um that we did send but apparently they were i don't know either my price offended him or maybe my email address offended a number i've never met the kid so but um i kind of want to touch on on three points with that so the first thing um that you've got going on one um early on i had a, a really good customer who's kind of from the area you know i was complaining to him about that like we had been open like a couple weeks and I was like, man, I'm just getting a really weird local response. And he was like, man, that's that's how it goes. He's like, you can't be a hero in your hometown. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to be a hero. He's like, yeah, but what I mean by that is people, they look for that, you know, exclusivity of, of going outside of town. Like, you know, for a while there, yeah. there was a shop up in Louisville um, that everybody wanted to go to. You know, that was that was the hot thing. You got to yeah. go up to that shop in Louisville. There's a couple places down in Nashville, I'm pretty sure, out of business now. Everybody wanted to go to them. Um, as far as, like, my business now locally i have a lot of local business um whole lot of local business and then surrounding areas you know we get people from northern kentucky western kentucky eastern kentucky tennessee you know pretty local areas uh but as far as like glasgow goes um like the young kid car yeah. scene you're right they don't like me for for some reason i don't i don't know why they don't like me uh, don't care either but, yeah um that's cool i guess I, I don't really know how to answer that question i guess you know maybe they just uh they want that that more exclusive feeling of having to travel somewhere to to get their car. Maybe they enjoy the travel too, you know. And maybe they enjoy that aspect. I I really don't know. Um, yeah, but I've thought about it a lot, and I I couldn't tell you. It's just like you know, with with us being in kind of I mean, even going back to like uh, COVID, like it was so important to support your your local business, your local yeah. small business. You have here, you're big into motorsports. You have an LS. And you don't want to come support this small business. You know, it just raises all kinds of questions like, why, what, how did yeah. he hurt you? <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with, with being, like, local to the Glasgow car scene, dude, because our biggest customer base comes from northern Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio. We even get people from Georgia. I've had cars out here from, from like, Iowa and California even, you know what I mean? Like, we get cars from a lot of different places, but the fact that I have – people coming from indiana illinois ohio yeah. all the way down here when i know damn well you know i don't even have to look it up on the internet i know what these shops are already i like they're they're right next to you you know they're yeah. that's your local shop too they they want to come down here so i think it really just comes back to that people don't think that like 
their local area is capable of having high-end yeah, tuning, you know. Because, you know, I, I kind of notice with kids our age, too, it's like, man, I just want to get out of my hometown. Maybe it's kind of like that, you know, they just don't want to be in the area. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm like 10 years older than y'all, so huh. uh, I still even see it with, with, like, my age range. Like, literally, like, there's no Why way. Are you living in Glasgow? I, mean, I hear that stuff all the time, like, I like it here. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of sparse right now for out-of-town cars, but, like, typically there's at least five cars in here from Indiana or Illinois. Yeah, that car's. Yeah, that's from Chicago. There's a car up on the rack from Chicago. So, and there's a lot of really, really good builders and tuners in that area. Yeah. Um, For whatever reason, he's down here. I I think, like I said, I don't think it has anything to do with it being just the Glasgow car scene. I just think people don't think they can get what they're looking for near them for some reason. So, it's crazy because I'm sure that guy that lives in Chicago wishes he didn't have to drive his car all the way down here. Oh, he didn't have to drive it down here. That guy's got some. That guy's got some jack. He had that thing. Yeah, yeah, he had that thing sent down here, and it'll get sent back up when it's done. Uh, But yeah, I do have guys that drive six, seven hours to get here. We had a customer uh, come from. Where did that kid come from? You talking about still? Yeah, he was Chicago area too. Wow. Yeah. for, yeah, plugs. so this is kind of funny. I'll just tell this story. Um, sorry, dude, if you're watching this, probably <laughs> not. But if you are, I'm sorry. Uh, we did heads cam, uh, bolt-ons. It was fifth-gen Camaro. Uh, he drove it around for like four or five months, and it started breaking up on him really bad. And so I sent him a list of things to check out before he come bring, brings his car down here, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, I, I checked everything you told me to check. So they put it on the back of this big old ginormous, way too big for the car trailer, and pull it down here with like an F three fifty that's jacked up on forties. And diesel prices at the time were from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And diesel prices were crazy, bro. So they get down here, pull this thing off the trailer. We pulled it in over there at that door, uh, coming into the shop, and it was either me or Jordan. One, I think it was Jordan. Uh, grabs a hold of a plug wire and it's literally like melted in half. And I told this dude, check literally your plug wire. Like the wire. first thing I checked and it was just gone. Yeah, I think it had been <laughs> chilling on one of the headers uh, for some reason, you know, whatever happened and, and melted in half. So um, that's definitely that's definitely a bad situation to drive six hours for yeah. that. So I'm kind of glad he did for other reasons. Oh, yeah. 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 Sorry, dude, your girlfriend was really, she was a good little gal. <laughs> I was going to that, but okay. <laughs> But I, I, man, I just thought it, I just think it's crazy because going back to like you know, you uh, talking about the notoriety thing, like you do these cars that are way out of town. Not only that, but I also want to hit like you guys have a great relationship with BTR. Like, yeah, I love Texas yeah. Speed. You know, you've got people at Texas Speed. Like you've mm-hmm. got the connections for these people, mm-hmm. but they don't utilize it. They could get these discounts on parts and all this stuff. But I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around around that whole aspect you know and I, I i also want to get your kind of opinion on what state is our car scene at like i i know you don't go to car meets and stuff but you know i you, keep up with it i got my ear to the streets man yeah uh <laughs> i mean i'm just gonna throw it out there brian kimball said it's kind of at a slow low point he said it's like probably the lowest point he's seen in a while you know what is your opinion on that i think that's definitely true um you know brian brian's way way more active i know brian kimball too shout yeah, out really. shout out kimball Love yeah. you, man. But uh, yeah, I think we he, t- uh, we went to P- he came to PRI with us this year. We had a great time with him. But yeah, he he's not wrong. It's definitely at its lowest. Um, I think a lot of that's a reflection of the current economy. Uh, you know, gas prices are crazy high. Inflation's crazy high. People really don't have the extra money to go out and like waste a bunch of gas all day in a parking lot or whatever yeah. it may be. I think that has a factor into it. I think a lot of like the social pressure. You know, you're starting to see social media become way way more integrated into people's lives. Like, you know, before. 
if you took your car out and something happened or whatever it may be, you know, like you just had to deal with it, you know, deal with your buddies making fun of you. Now it's like, oh, okay, fifth gen Camaro pulls into cars and coffee and Rod flies out of oil pan. That's a video that gets recirculated on the internet and may go viral, you know, yeah. so I feel like that's like a big I contributing agree. factor to people getting out too. I agree with that so much because we have a friend that has a LSA a G8 and it's like, just refuses to run it at all. And it's like, I don't know if he's afraid of, uh, get like you said, just getting a video, getting beat. Like, I mean, it's an LSA. I mean, it's it's not yeah. nothing to laugh at. You know, like you said, 600 wheel is... Yeah, there's nothing. always going to be somebody faster than you. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people yeah. have a hard time accepting that. I feel like being self-conscious about drag racing, if you've never done it before, it's something really to be pressured about. You know, you're just learning. Yeah, it's not just the car scene, everything. Like, every scene period is in a, in a weird spot right now. Um, as far as, like, another reason for the, the, the decline goes... Um, it's just a, a lot of bad attitudes in the car True. scene right now, dude. There's yeah. a lot of really just negative, like, you know, if we go out to an event or something, like, you know, we're going to get a lot of positive praise, but there's always, like, that group of guys that are throwing shade at you or whatever. Um, and it's just a negative environment to be around. I think that turns a lot of people off, too. There, dude, I know guys that, that have, like, super badass cars that everyone would love to see at Cars and Coffee, and, and they don't get them out. Um, just because they don't want to deal with the quote-unquote riffraff, you know, and yeah. people doing burnouts and donuts yeah. and stuff. It's, it's dude, the sideshow stuff's crazy. It's just that's a different. Crazy. It's a different uh, yeah. world, man. It's not the same car scene I grew up in. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap it up, I I do uh, you know I, I want to continue on that point, like the camaraderie your day compared to how it is now. For example, like we have been to meets where people got around and talked to people that they didn't know, but. It seems like there's a few meets where it's like literally Clicky. people just stay in their own niches. Like they stay by their buddies with their cars, and it's like you've got all these groups of people, but there's no crossover. Nobody's going to go say, "Hey guys, what do you guys have? What do you guys have?" Like, what was it like back in your day? Like, was there camaraderie? Like, was it was it so hard to come by? Yeah, there wasn't like the big like I remember you know being a Honda kid, even in my hometown, or, or you know we'd go to like E Town or Nashville or Louisville, go up to like Five Hundred Two Underground. That was a big thing up in Louisville was Five Hundred Two Underground. It was like yeah. a big racing or whatever up there, and there was no like Camaro guys hanging out with Camaro guys and Honda guys hanging out with Honda guys and all this that and the other. Like everybody was just there. Everybody was there for the passion of cars. Everybody was there for the passion of racing, and there wasn't like this this clicky type stuff you see now. Like, I see it really bad with, with certain LS models, like G8 guys, dude. Like, no hate on anybody that's got a G8, but they all think that that's, like, some kind of, like, super rare, magical, very different <laughs> it car. It's It's still a Camaro. It, it's, it's a really. four-door Camaro, bro. Like, I have guys that call up here with G8s and be like, do you tune a lot of G8s? Like, well, you know, no, we don't We don't tune a whole lot of G8s. Like, maybe, you know, whole six years we've been open, maybe 30 or 40, right? Um, but they all think that like they're different just because it's like a Pontiac G8 and so they kind of all click together instead of like going out and learning about all this other stuff but no like back when I was a younger kid and, and, and in the car scene and going around like no I talked to we would talk to Camaro guys and race Camaro guys we talked to Mustang guys and race Mustang guys um, and everybody just kind of shared information and I even had people that would be like you know we would race like I'd race a Mustang in my turbo Honda and you know win or get close to winning whatever it was they'd still be really impressed and be like man tell me about this i had no clue you could go that fast with a 1.8 liter engine like and they really were interested now i do not see that it's like bruh you got a 1.8 volkswagen with a big turbo that's so stupid like why uh -huh. didn't you buy a mustang you could have done bolt-ons and a tune and, and been faster than what you've done with 10 grand in this car it's like maybe you didn't want a mustang yeah 
Yeah, so. yeah, I see that too. Like a lot of times, man, if I get, if I'm street racing and I get gapped and that dude pulls off to a gas station, you know, like talk, I'm not going to fly by. I'm going to stop and be like, hey man, what you got going on? Yeah, like, I want to know what's going on here, how bro. Why did I get that, that gap? That was sick, yeah. No, you don't see that anymore. Um, and I don't, I don't know why. People it's, are just stuck up. There's a lot like, of negativity in the car scene right now. I like right the now, mix. Sure. I think it's fun to yeah. see different builds. It was really nice uh, at the last car meet we went to. Like, just a bunch of random yeah. kids, like, younger than us, showed up in, like, Hondas NA and, Hondas. And yeah. we were, like, dude, you know, like, they're, they're you know, like liking our Camaros. I was pretty clean. Yeah, dude, like, my first, I remember the first, like, car that I put together. Like, I was so, I had, like, a, a muffler pipe cold air intake that I made out of, like, some old exhaust pipe. No shit. <laughs> And, uh, like, I painted the valve cover red, and, like, you know, these older guys would be hanging out at the spots. Like, you know, back in the day in Glasgow, we had, like, the strip. Mm-hmm. You know, you would drive around, like, McDonald's, what used to be Blockbuster, I think it's O'Reilly's now, Big O'Tire, yeah. like, that little strip. You'd drive through there, and everybody would hang out, and it was mostly, like, Camaros, Mustangs, older muscle cars, and street bikes and stuff like that. And some people would come from out of town with other stuff. But they always like were cool about it you know like i'd pull up with my little slow honda and pop the hood with my painted valve cover and my exhaust <laughs> pipe intake and be like yeah man how old are you you know what what got you into this and just really wanting to know like what was going on with my car even though it was obviously a shit box with a painted valve cover and a <laughs> yeah. exhaust intake um you definitely don't see that anymore you see a lot of like turning the nose up some kid pulls up in a, a shit box that he's poured his heart and soul into and it's like, well, it's it's not a 2022 GT500 <laughs> with a Luntoon and a pulley and all this. I don't care to look at it or know about it. Like, you're doing yourself a disservice there if you're in the car scene and that's your mentality. Because there's a lot you're missing out on, like, experience-wise of just, like, learning what that and feeling what that passion about cars is. Because whether it's a kid with 500 bucks and a Honda Civic or a grown-ass a man with or a kid with a dad with, like, a $250,000 <laughs> race car, like that same passion is still there and there's still a lesson yeah. to be learned in between those two things. Yeah. I think that's just like what Brian Kimball said the other day. What's that? About, you know, he started out poor, you know. And, oh, yeah. You know, it just kind of goes back bottom. to, you know, it don't really matter how much money you got. That's not the point of it. I'd rather see, like you said, I'd rather see a build that somebody's put their heart and soul into than if somebody pulled up in something brand new. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, I'd. I know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on in this dude's, like, homemade build here, you know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, like, there's – for, and for me, like, that kind of stuff is, is way more interesting. I, and I feel like it is still for a lot of people, too, but not the majority. Like, if I go out to, say, Ellis Fest and go to the parking lots afterwards, like, and, you know, there's the, all the C6Zs and stuff, like C7Zs, whatever it is, with, like, the YSIs and the huge <laughs> blowers and nitrous bottles. Like, that's really cool. But what, like, really gets me going is, like, that pickup truck. Like yeah, that S, yes, just so as an example, a dude that works here has got like this S10 that he daily drives. It's got like holes and rust and stuff on it, <laughs> scratches, and he like kicks it all the time. Like that truck sitting over in a corner, I'm like, I want to know about that thing because it's over there chopping. I heard it whining when it came in. Like there's something going on there, and that's way cooler. That's way cooler than the dude that paid a shop eighty thousand dollars to put a YSI in a nitrous kit and you know RPM transmission and rear diff in his car. That that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad you can afford that, and that's really cool. That's obviously the business I'm in. But for me, it's it's that little sleeper deal yep. over there in the corner that nobody's paying attention to. Um, those are the fun cars. So. I 1 million percent agree. Yeah. Well, Matt, it has been awesome having you on. If you ever want to come back on, our doors are wide open. Yeah, just hit me up, man. I know there's all kinds of topics I could go on about all day. <laughs> yeah, great guest, great episode. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, if you want any kind of diamond tuning or anything at all, hit Matt up. Matt at MCRT.com. Yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next one.